I'm Ron Caroni, your Saskatchewan mortgage professional. This is the Saskatchewan Real Estate Podcast. And this week we're chatting about, do you really need to use a realtor on a real estate transaction? We're joined by 16 year real estate veteran, Scott Ziegler in the Saskatoon market. Scott was awarded the Rookie of the Year when he first started out. And last year as he joined EXP, he was named an icon agent. So he's a wealth of knowledge. And I really am looking forward to this chat with Scott. This is the Saskatchewan Real Estate Podcast, the show that highlights Saskatchewan real estate. Looking to buy your first house, your next investment property? Subscribe to never miss an episode. Here's your host, Ron Caroni. Hey, Scott, welcome to the Saskatchewan Real Estate Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's uh, been a long time coming. It has been. I've been following your channel on YouTube and I've been thinking I got to get that Scott Ziegler on the podcast. So I'm really happy to have you here today. Thank you. Wonderful. So Scott, today we're talking about the reasons that you should be using a realtor and you being a realtor are a perfect person to sit down with us and go through it. So Scott, I'm going to hit you right away with the first question. Let's start with a public perception that realtors do little work and make large commissions on the sale of properties. How close is this to the truth and how far away is it? Well, I'm going to give you two answers, two two scenarios. And I can understand, first of all, how there is that public perception. And so in scenario one, sometimes it's not far from the truth. You know, you have a hot property in a hot market, you know, you put it on the MLS and it, um, you know, it sells in a day and everything goes smoothly and you're done. And so in that scenario, I can sort of understand possibly the public perception of it. Now, that is even in a hot market is somewhat of a rarity. And so in scenario two, I think what people need to understand is the public sees what the public sees is we put up a for sale sign on a Monday and then the following Monday they see a sold sign and they're like, wow, that that was an easy, easy money. Right. But what they don't see is three weeks prior to that, the initial conversation about getting the home for sale and they don't see the preparation that goes into potentially helping them stage their home, declutter their home. Um, people probably would very much underestimate the amount of questions that are asked of us from the start to the finish of a transaction. And some of those questions are a one minute answer and some of them are a one hour phone call. And so there's a lot of work that goes into even, you know, getting to the point of a for sale sign in the front yard. Uh, we have market evaluations to do. We have to sit with the seller, go over the price. And nine times out of 10, the seller doesn't just immediately say, hey, we love that price. Let's just go ahead and list there. There's usually a whole other conversation um, or sometimes argument at that stage to get the home price right because it is an important part of the step. Then again, even before a sign goes in the ground, there is professional photos, 3D tour, potentially a video. Um, sometimes there's maintenance to the home. Hey, it snowed the day before. We got to get the driveway shoveled. And so now there's a sign in the ground and that's where the public sees that the house is for sale. Um, then there's scheduling of showings. There is, you know, managing of that schedule. And, and again, the, the average home takes in Saskatoon right now between 50, 60, 70 days to sell, even in this market. And I can't tell you how many conversations happen with the seller in that time. And I often refer to it sometimes as talking the seller off the ledge. 
you know, right. the home, yeah. the, the home has been on the market for 30 days and we haven't had an offer. They're, they're starting to question their home. They're starting to question, should they be doing this? They're starting to question the price. They're starting to question the agent. And so there's lots of reassuring that goes on throughout the process. And then let's not forget we're dealing with people. We're dealing with four distinct personality styles. We're dealing with an emotional situation. You know, it could be anywhere from a first time seller to a divorce to an investment seller, all different reasons why they're selling and how quickly they want to sell it. All of those factors have gone into the sale of this home so far. We have not even received an offer yet. And now once we receive the offer, if it's a low ball, that is an emotional experience for the seller. And even if it's a full price offer, it's, it's an emotional experience that we have to manage. And so there's oftentimes a negotiation. Now we have the home conditionally sold. Now we have to manage financing, inspections, reports. You know, if something comes up in the, the inspection report that has to be dealt with, again, that's another very emotional conversation because it usually involves uh, renegotiating on the price. So all of those things go into now we have a sold sign in the front yard and the neighbor across the street says, wow, that was easy money. And but we haven't even had possession yet. So now between the time that the sold sign comes up in possession, there's usually an awful lot of questions around what that process looks like. What do I have to do? I have to repaint this wall. What should I do with the TV mount? And, you know, that's if there's no other complications come up on the buyer side of things where all of a sudden, you know, their financing becomes in jeopardy or something changes and they'd like to change the possession date. So yes, in scenario one, sometimes you put up a sign and it sells, but oftentimes you're looking at scenario two and the public sees 1% of what actually goes into selling a house. So I don't know if that makes sense or resonates with you, but there's more to listing and selling a house than just putting it on the market. And we're not even talking about scenario three, where you go through all of that work, you do all the hard effort, and then you don't end up making any money. And so then for every uh, you know time you do all of that work and then don't get paid, you also have to balance that out with the times that you actually do get the house across the finish line. Absolutely. And I, I don't know if there's an actual statistic and it might vary from agent to agent, but you're probably looking at about an 80% you know, sale rate. And again, some be higher and lower in some markets. So, you know, for every five houses you list, you don't, you don't sell one of them and, you know, you do incur an expense to sell that home and, and, you know, going through that full process. And even if you want to go deeper into scenario three, when it comes time to potentially end that listing or cancel that listing or expire that listing, you know, there's often multiple, multiple conversations, which now have changed from excitement to disappointment. And, you know, that just adds to, I guess, the overall stress or burden that is put on the real estate agent. And I tell my clients all the time, once we list the property, the burden really should shift to me. You know, the scheduling, the marketing, you really, all you need to do as the seller is, you know, make your home available and have it relatively, you know, neat and tidy for showings. But the rest of the burden and stress should fall on the agent. And it does. What I take from kind of what you're saying, Scott, is that a lot of being a realtor is managing emotions, like dealing with the buyer, the seller, you're dealing with an awfully, uh, an awful amount of money in someone's home, but also there's an emotional connection to a place that you lived for a long time. Ron, we uh, major in real estate, but we minor in marriage counseling, put it that way. 
Nice. All right, Scott. So we kind of ran through also what your your day to day kind of usually consists of. Is there anything else to add on that that you would kind of fit into what a realtor does? Well, I think if you want to sort of break down what what a typical day looks like for an agent, I my wife asked me every morning, what do you got on the go today? And, and some days it's like, I have no idea. I'll, I'll let you know at five o'clock. And, and in some days you do have a, a set schedule. But ideally, you know, for my day, uh, I'm in the office about uh, my home office about quarter to eight, dealing with what has to happen the day before, you know, getting my day set, you know, for today. I like to try and get my prospecting and my phone calls and all that kind of stuff done in the morning and then book appointments and anything that I have to do in the afternoon. And I mean, just to give, I guess, the listener a snapshot of it's it's a business, right? It's not a job. I don't just show up and do what I'm told. I, I have to run my own business. And I'm I'm looking at my checklist here and I work off of a checklist um I'm not really a schedule guy, you know, Monday from nine to you know, nine to ten I do this, but I, I work off a checklist have a daily, weekly, monthly, and a quarterly. And anything from daily to to social media, reviewing my goals and journaling, a weekly task I have to for sale by owners I need to call, I have door knocking I need to do. Um, and I'm looking at it right now. I got seller updates, I got a lead, you know, lead follow-up to the leads I've worked with. I got videos to record. I like to try and listen to a podcast every day to just to be learning. I, I don't listen to music or hardly the radio. And I, and every week I try and learn a new skill. And I got a blog. And then if I look at my, my monthly tasks, you know, I have clients that I need to follow up with. I have emails that I need to send. You know, I have more prospecting to do. I need to work on my real estate team, a YouTube video. I try and schedule a day for content creation. And then when I get to my monthly tasks, you know, it's reviewing my goals, redoing my SWOT analysis. So those are all the things that I have to try and fit into a day, a week, a month on top of all the things that we just talked about by listing and selling houses. Did that stuff come naturally to you, Scott, or how did you get those processes put in place to, to run your business like that? 15 years of trial and error. I have a business coach that I've had for seven, eight, nine years. And, you know, we've fine tuned that. And actually the checklist really just came into play this year. You know, you get busy in this, in, in real estate, especially in the spring and you're pulled in a hundred different directions and you can go a week or two and realize that you haven't been digging for new business. And the lifeblood of any business is new business coming in. Because if, you know, if I got six deals on the go now and in 30 days they're done, I'm, I'm, I'm unemployed until I, you know, have to start that snowball pushing it up the hill again. Correct. So Scott, we were talking earlier about all the work that you do to get a, a home sold. But if someone says, you know what, Scott, I'm going to save on that real estate commission, I'm going to sell the home by myself, what would be the, the pitfalls of someone entering that journey without a realtor? You know, I say it this way all the time, and, and maybe I shouldn't because it maybe it casts a, somewhat of a negative light on real estate agents, but it's not rocket science. Like buying and selling homes are not rocket science. However, you don't know what you don't know until you come to a point where you don't know it. And the pitfall of selling privately is there are lots of little tasks and there's lots of nuances within those little tasks that have to be completed in order for a, a successful transaction to take place. And so people that, and I, I've, I think even when I ran through my checklist 
for sale by owners, marketing the for sale by owners has been a big part or the base of my business literally since day one. And I can say this, you know, confidently that in the last 15, 16 years, no other Saskatoon realtor has worked the for sale by owner market as successfully as I have. In fact, I train other agents and teach courses for free. If anybody's listening, any other agents that want to reach out um, to train other agents to do it. And so I see I understand why people would want to go that route, but the truth is, is that it is rarely successful and probably the two biggest portions why is they don't have the exposure to the market where the buyers actually are and two, they're just not salespeople and they don't quite understand how to close that sale or, or, or massage a situation to actually generate an offer. The levers that you can pull to move things in the direction that you would like. Yeah. And again, those levers aren't necessarily hard to pull, but when that's not what you do, it's, it's difficult. Definitely. And so what would the advantage of be to use a realtor to sell your home? I know we touched on this a little bit, but are, is there anything else to expand on that? Well, really just the opposite of what I said. I mean, you, you gain exposure to a market where virtually 99.9% .9 of the buyers are. And so what that does is it increases the amount of awareness of your home. It increases the amount of traffic or showings through your home, and it increases the chance that you're going to get fair market value for your home. And what I say to a for sale by owner quite often is this, why would a buyer, when it's free for them to use a realtor, free to use their gas, their resources, their knowledge, their skills, why would they forego all of that when it doesn't cost them anything to come directly to you? And typically it's because that buyer is looking to get a deal and they're looking to, um, they're looking to take advantage of a seller and try and get that price down really to, to benefit them as the buyer. So that's typically why a buyer is going directly to a for sale by owner. The only other reason might be a seller has a one-off property that you just can't find anywhere else on the market. But other than that, that's typically why a buyer will shop a for sale by owner. And so that kind of ties into the next question. Is there anything else to expand on that, Scott? Is it advantageous ever for a buyer or a seller to not use the services of a realtor? Is it really when you can find that deal? Or is there ever a time where you would recommend someone not have a realtor? You know, from the buying side, you know, I can understand if, you know, all of a sudden you're buying your neighbor's house or, you know, your, your, your neighbor at the lake is going to sell their cabin and, and you guys just do that deal. If it's a, if it's a familial or a family relationship, I, I think there's lots of cases where you can bypass that, but in a very typical standard real estate transaction, it doesn't make a lot of sense for a buyer to bypass the realtor. And again, I, I said it earlier, but you don't know what you don't know. And typically what's going to happen is a buyer is going to come to a fork in the road and where they have to make a decision or they need to get a particular document or a particular permit and they're just going to have to guess or not only that but then they're going to add all that stress to them to be like well i know i need these documents now where do i go and find them and who do i call and what's the process and instead of just again putting all that stress and that burden on the realtor especially for a buyer when there's no cost that's, I think that there's no other real reason not to use an agent on the buying side. And again, on the selling side, 
perhaps if you're a builder and you have some lots coming up and you want to, you know, try and sell more lots, or you really like the idea of, of custom builds and you want to meet with these people, you know, I think I can understand maybe why builders might choose to go privately. But again, for the, the, the general public, 99% of the time, it's simply to save the commission. And what they find out, you know, one month, two months, three months in is that they usually are unsuccessful in doing that. And most of the time, once I've listed it for sale by owner and sold it, when it's all said and done, I usually, I don't want to call it an exit interview, but I, you know, I, I generally talk to them about it. And most of the time they, they start to recognize that, you know what, I probably made just as much as I was going to anyways, and I didn't have to do 99% of the work. Totally. I Just a quick story on the side of this. And when I was in Europe, uh, in Serbia, uh, a couple months ago, I was taking a look that there are no realtors in smaller cities in Serbia. Everything is sold by paper on the window that says, for sale. And I thought this was so weird. And when I talked to people about it, they said, people just want to save money. They don't want to have the extra expense of going through this. And I said, but doesn't it take a long time for you to sell properties? And they say, yeah, it takes, you know, one to two years for a property to move. And usually you're selling it to a friend or family member of someone in your circle. You're losing that exposure of the, of the bigger market. And I thought that was very indicative of what we see here is that you can sell your home by yourself, but you're really limiting your ability to have that marketing that the realtor will do for you. Most real estate transactions from a buyer and seller perspective Motivation is probably the, the biggest factor. If somebody wants to sell their house, and like you said, if they have the time and they're not in a rush, they're, they're free to do that. Somebody that's got a job transfer, a divorce, uh, you know, a baby on the way, typically their motivation is, hey, I, I need to move this process along and I don't have three, six, nine months or a year to make it happen or never. Right. Fantastic. Scott, anything else to add on the topic of why someone should be using a realtor before we wrap this up? I think we've covered it. Wonderful. Okay. So my last question to you, I like to ask everyone this, if you could go back and give a young Scott Ziegler some advice, what would that advice be? So just to, just to clarify the question, like a young just a young me you, or a you young me in my business? how young you want to go, whether you want to go 10 years old and invest in Amazon or, or whether you want to go uh, just entering the real estate market or, or just uh, exiting high school. I'll allow you the timeline of when you'd like to give the advice. I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. So 20-year-old Scott, and I don't know how many 20-year-olds or 20 to 20 to 30-year-olds you have listening. A lot. But you but the, need the, to... main, the main listenership of the of the podcast, when I look at the at the metrics, are men from the age of 18 to 25. Start investing. Start investing your money now. And you know what? There's I'm not an investment advisor. There's many different vehicles that you can choose to do that. But retirement comes quicker than you think. And retirement for me is not a date. It's not an age. It's freedom. It's freedom for me to say, I don't have to call for sale by owners anymore because I have the freedom not to. I don't have to grind out, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 deals a year anymore because I have the freedom to. I don't have to work in the winter anymore. I can travel because I've now got enough passive income to allow myself to do that. And so, 
the younger me and to the, the younger listener, I would say, figure out your investment strategy. I mean, today's day and age, there's crypto, there's, you know, there's, you can get into the stock market on your own relatively easily, um, figure out how to get a rental property, but don't delay that even another day, figure it out, talk to somebody. Rental property is probably one of the safer ones at that for a young person who's 20. You got lots of friends, you're all single. If you can get into a home, rent out by the bedroom, it's a very easy way to ease yourself into the landlording process. It's house hacking 101 right there. And, and you're, you're spot on. Real estate would be the smartest investment. And then just figure out how to do it a couple more times. Get get four, five, six properties by the time you're 30, 35, and you're, you're done. By the time you're ready to retire, the, the retirement will be there for you. And, and then if I could give you know my young real estate career some advice, and, and this might be advice for an agent that is less than five years in the business that might be listening to your podcast, is take detailed, get detailed information on your customers, their name, their spouse's name, their kid's name, their dog's name, when is everybody's birthday, and get a proper CRM to manage that so that you can send them a birthday message. You can call them on the anniversary of the sale of their home. Um, you can ask them about their dog, you know, those types of things. The more information that you have and the more systematic you are about it, it's going to keep your business going for a long, long time. And then the second piece to that, and, and this might not apply to the younger me, but it will apply to the younger agent today, is you have to leverage social media. And time is running out in a sense to do that. And I'm thinking of a couple of agents in the back of my mind that are new in the business. They have, you know, 15, 16, 1700, you know, friends or connections on Instagram, they post a random picture and get 320 likes. I spend days producing an extremely valuable piece of content. And if I get 60, 70, 80 likes, I'm, I'm, I'm through the moon. And these people have no idea how much business they could generate strictly from their sphere on social media if they would just go for it. So those are the two pieces of advice I would give. Wonderful. Thanks so much for that, Scott. I really appreciate your information. Uh, you've got the best beard in the business, so it's great to see you here on video. Thanks so much for, for sharing your, your time and your knowledge with us. I really appreciate that. It was a pleasure to come on. And, uh, you know, just if I can add one more thing to my last point, your social media, Ron, would be one for somebody to take note of, see what you're doing and use what you're doing and, you know, put their own spin on it. But uh, I think you have heeded the advice already that I just gave and you've done a very good job of it. You're incredibly kind, Scott. And I have to give a big shout out to uh, my wife. She does a lot of help on the back end for me. So I'm not the one man show here. So a big shout out to her. Scott, uh, I just about forgot it. Before we leave you, uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and how can someone get in contact with you? Yeah, probably the easiest way is, is Instagram. And then I have a link in bio that it'll get you to my blog, my website, you know, my Facebook, my YouTube, all that kind of stuff. And it's just simply my name, Scott Ziegler. Um, if you search Saskatoon real estate, you'll find it. But um, yeah, I'd love for you guys to come check me out. And I always try and uh, follow people back that follow me. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Scott. Really appreciate your time. Look forward to this episode going up. Thank you. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Saskatchewan Real Estate Podcast. If you found it informative or you enjoyed it, please consider hitting the like and subscribe button. And if you're looking for more information, please check out my social channels below. I'm Ron Caroni, your Saskatchewan mortgage professional. Have a great week.